Welcome to Getting to Nimble. I'm Sarah Bariza, a writer and musician. And I'm Bill Smoots, a pastor. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. And today we're talking about how we think our in-person worship will respond to these many months of online worship, changes that we think we might want to see in the future. Sarah and I have ministered in churches for over 50 years between the two of us, and she's young, so that means I'm old. I've pastored primarily Presbyterian churches, uh, urban, rural, uh, suburban. If they hire me, I'll work for them. Most recently, I have transitioned to interim ministry in UCC churches. And I have been a church musician all over the denominational spectrum, mainline, evangelical, Catholic, lots of different churches. And I am currently working on a book on pastoral ministry. It'll be a good book. We're looking forward so. to it. Y'all, I, I am, be. as we record, I'm six weeks away from my due date. And I'm like, get the draft written. Get the draft written. The, the book due date? No, the baby due date. <laughs> I just want to clarify. <laughs> book, no, book due date is next year. That's going to be fine. I'm just, I just need the crappy first draft. Okay. But, Okay. I just I need something down so when I'm when I'm all sleepless and right when you're sleep work, deprived, and I've got something to work with and not being like I'm gonna spin this out of thin air. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think you've got a fascinating topic uh, before us today because I I just think there are <sighs> we've learned so much. And, and in, in the last few months as we move to online worship, and yet it's also raised lots of questions uh, about what does it mean going forward, it, assuming we can be back in worship spaces in some way, shape, or form, what does it all mean? And I think not just, I don't think this is just my impression. I, I've heard this from enough lay people in the congregation that they really like certain aspects of online worship and really don't like certain aspects of it. That said, there are, I know some people who are just like, well, I'm not watching a single online service. I'll see you back when we're in person. And I, I feel like that's a whole different category of mm -hmm. type of mm -hmm. person and everything. And that's, that's fine. But for people who are participating in online worship, which is a lot of people, I think our church is not, the church where we work is not alone in having more people participating in online worship than in our regular in-person services. Uh, this might be due to the fact that people don't have anywhere to go and they're certainly not out brunching on Sunday morning instead of coming to church. Um, <laughs> so I bet that's part of it. They are not globetrotting right now. So uh, th that being said, though, I think that, yeah, people are like, oh, I like certain things about this. I like being able to walk around in my pajamas with a cup of coffee. Oh, this is actually really nice. I, I agree. I had somebody say to me that, that, he likes being able to hit pause and go get another cup of coffee or refill their coffee. Uh, he just mm -hmm. likes that flexibility um, of, of how to experience worship. He's, he's more in control of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Honestly, sometimes I will carry, I'll get to the point in the service where my son stops watching with me. Like we, we make it through about half the service together. And then sometimes I'll carry it. And this is, of course, to, to be clear, I've seen most of this already, but I'm just like, you know, don't want, don't want people to be like, wow, this is the optimal way of doing this. But I've, I've seen some of this stuff. I'm like, I've heard this audio five times. I don't need to hear it again. But, um, you know, I'll go in the kitchen and chop vegetables. <laughs> I'll just bring my, you know, I'll be getting our Sunday lunch together as I'm 
you know, part participating in a certain kind of way with the service. Yeah, I, I think the the online worship allows people um, a, a great deal of flexibility. And and in in the situation where I am now, we try to have the service recorded on Friday so that the 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 people who do the technical magic can have it out by about noon on Saturday. Oh, and, okay. and then it's just available for people to plug into whenever they can. And I've had people say, oh yeah, we, we, we try and say 4.30 Saturday afternoon um, to sit down and watch the service. Or, or so everybody seems to have their own preferred time, but rarely are they sitting down on Sunday morning at nine o'clock or, or 11 o'clock. Oh, fascinating. Um, watch the service. Many of them said they like to watch it early. If they're going to watch it on a Sunday morning, they like to watch it early. You know, this is interesting because I um, we're do doing things a little bit differently at the church where I am, where we do record ahead of time, but then we premiere the video at a certain time. So people, if they want to watch it, can watch it all at the same time, you mm -hmm. know, um, and then can watch it later if, if they want to. Um, and so I, I posted on, on Facebook yesterday. I was like, so guys, what do you think? You've been doing online worship for like just general, generally to my Facebook friends. Um, what do you think? Do you see any changes? And a number of people said how much they love being able to comment together, like in the sidebar alongside the video. And it's not a distracting thing. It's not an obnoxious thing. It's like a, Hey, peace be with you. But also some commentary where they're like, I like being able to say how much I like the music or, you know, like as it's happening rather than retrospectively. Right, right. And we, we don't have that yet, though we anticipate as we move back into the worship space, beginning live streaming. And yeah. that is what I think will then offer that possibility more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, again, showing the, the, my, my lack of understanding of technology um, as, as one of my younger staff members is, is saying, Oh yeah. And I'll probably be on watching the comments. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Will people do that that much? And she said, Oh, there'll be all sorts of conversations yeah. going on. Yeah. And, and, and I think what a fascinating way to connect is. Um, with worshipers and as you're describing worshipers connecting one with the other. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm watching stuff, I try to always, um, if I can, you know, if there's someone singing a solo, I try to thank them for that. I kind of like point out like who is the one doing this, if we can just see the audio yeah. or just hear the audio. As it's happening, I try to, in a way, it's like a pastoral thing. It's like, okay, I need to be greeting people. And the way to greet people right now is through the comments. Fascinating. I've got yeah. so much to learn, Sarah. Well, so this is something that people brought up in terms of something that they like with online worship that they're thinking about, how could this be for in-person worship, which is that the, the freedom to feel uh, that they can use their phone. And I've noticed like there were several people six months ago at the church where I work um, who would uh, check in to the church service. And that's like something that they did. And, you know, they'd, they'd want to do that. And I wonder if there's a way for people who want to, to continue commenting on a live stream um, like to have a certain kind of chatter um, that isn't audible. But I think the, in the bigger picture, this is like about a freedom of commentary. And we're so in the kinds of churches in which I've mostly worked. And granted, I grew up in more vocal Baptist churches, um, not, not dancing in the aisle Baptist churches, but definitely much more vocal, especially during the sermon kind of churches. 
But I feel like this freedom of commentary or freedom to just say something is pretty interesting because it's like you want to you want to be able to speak up, but you don't want to transgress a, so, a social norm. And I think that this is related, maybe we can talk about freedom of commentary and freedom of movement, because so many people are like, I love to get up and get my coffee, like that kind of thing. Um, and I've been in plenty of services where people had a lot more freedom of movement than our traditional pew setup. If you get up, you're being rude kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. to me, this is more about social norm than it is about actual distraction. Like, yeah, you can be really distracting in a service if you want to, but getting up and moving somewhere isn't necessarily distracting, you know, if that, if the social norm allows for it. Well, and, and, but aren't the social norms open for reinterpretation or, or yeah, that, or and that's what I'm thinking. I think that we need to, or, um, uh, change the environment. I'm thinking of a church where, I was working in the traditional service with the wooden pews, but in the contemporary service happening at the same time, there were chairs. And then behind the chairs, there were tons of round tables with chairs around them. So you had plenty of kids coloring. Correct. Um, and, and people getting up and walking over to the coffee machine right there. And, and this was at an Episcopal church. Like this was pretty high as far as, as far yeah. as things go. And nobody um, dropped the sensor or, or missprinkled holy water. Yeah, and, no, and it was, it was pretty okay. Like I only got to go to one whole contemporary service, um, like start to finish. So I wasn't usually part of this, but like, you know, it was set up like the, the space was set up to facilitate movement and not to restrict it. Right, right. And, and while that's certainly my experience in contemporary worship services, I think that, that coming back into our spaces from this time, one of the things we may really need to do is rethink the architecture of the worship room. You know, I've been on a tear to get rid of pews for, for years um, because I just, I don't think they are useful to us anymore. But, but as I listen to the, the comments from my folks and, and read the, the responses to your Facebook post, um, I'm hearing people say that they want to experience worship in, in, or they, they're getting more out of the worship experience, let me put it that way, when, when they are in some level of comfort. And, and so mm, yeah. uh, they can hear better when they're sitting next to each other on a couch, or if they can hear better when they have the freedom to get up and go pour a second cup of coffee, um, that, that maybe uh, a traditional worship space with regimented pews that are bolted to the stone floor isn't what we need anymore. Maybe, maybe this is the push to um, have couches and, and comfortable chairs and coffee tables. I love the round table idea in the back. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. One of the things I love about chairs is they can be shaped in so many ways. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that can be both for the liturgical needs, but maybe we're also going to realize out of this time that, that we shape the chairs for the, the needs of the worshipers. Mm -hmm. Ooh, what a thought. I've been jealous of churches that I've seen that are preparing for in-person worship that have chairs. And they're like, well, we don't have to worry about how do we mark off the pews where you can sit. We're just taking chairs out and making little groups of, you know, Correct. one to five seats. Correct. <laughs> like, yeah, no biggie. That. And, 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 and I think the social norms of, of, you know, we come in, 
the, the, the service begins and, and the only movement we do is to stand up and sit down for singing of hymns and maybe that radical passing of the peace moving around if we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that social norm probably needs to die as, as we move back yeah. into worship spaces because people have been, it, it's not that they're just coming to enjoy this freedom. I think they're realizing that with this freedom, there is different appreciation of the worship experience. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think this relates to the other stuff I had written down, which was around food and clothing. Like I kind of started the conversation. You have to keep clothing, Sarah. Yeah, okay, we do have clothing. But the question is, do people say, oh, I am never around people now, so when I am, I need to dress up? Or is everyone like, screw this whole, like, you know, non-stretchy pants option. Like, I want to be comfortable. And I, I mean, maybe this is a very pregnant lady speaking. It is a very <laughs> pregnant lady speaking. I'm just like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Not that I ever was like, that's, that's not really my thing, but I, I, I wonder if some of this is about realizing like as a, like a collective, not just clergy, but lay people realizing, oh, I can worship God. I can be in a spirit of worship and I can be comfortable, like physically comfortable. I, I think that behind so much of our, our formal dress for worship was this sense of we need to give our best to God. Um, and while I don't yeah. ag- disagree with that, I think that has become codified in um, ways that, that are disconnected from, from where we are culturally right now. When I see pictures of my grandfather Smoots from the 1920s, he always had a coat and tie on and everybody oh, yeah. around him did. And that wasn't just church. That was at the office. That was to go out socially. That was just what they did. That's not today. Mm-hmm. And, and And we haven't... Um, allowed ourselves the, the, the flexibility to, to evolve to what today is in worship spaces. And I think um, to be able to be comfortable is a huge thing. I, I did a, we, we've been doing outdoor um, Vesper type services. And then last Saturday we had one of the, uh, well, we had a patriarch of the church die about two weeks ago. And so last Saturday morning we did an outdoor funeral. Uh, for him under under our pavilion and and I was going from that funeral to a funeral in a funeral home so I I actually put on uh, a suit and a tie and I didn't wear the suit coat for the outdoor service but I was sitting talking to a group of uh, older men uh, many of whom were in ties and we were laughing the about the fact this was the first time we tied a tie since the middle of March or had dress socks on or, or, yeah. you know, dress shoes and, and, and that we didn't miss it. You know, that we were, um, we've been able to do these Vesper services in our tennis shoes and our shorts and, and a t-shirt or a golf shirt. And, and Jesus was still glorified and God was still praised and um, lightning didn't come strike us dead. I think some of this is like, we live in a really different society now than a hundred years ago. Like our Sunday best isn't, you know, it's not like we have two outfits and one of them is for farming and one of them isn't totally mudstained. You know, like we, these are not our two options here. Like we can spend a lot of money on athleisure. uh, (laughs) Um, and, And I think like with the food, 
unless there is a specific religious reason, I'm thinking around like theologies around um, the Eucharist, unless there's a reason to not be eating, like prior to taking communion or something, why not? Like I, I um, that was something I pointed out as I was starting out. I was completely serious. I'm like, this is so nice. I'm um, saying to my son, now is snack time because our our video premiere starts at right around when he'd normally be having a snack. And I'm like, okay, and we'll sit. And guess what? He's a lot, you know, rambunctious. He's a lot better with that snack, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's like, I'd love to sit here and eat a cheese stick and strawberries. Great. Yeah. And, you know, like, I what, think there's what a lot of people out there lose? would. Yeah. I yeah, I'm right. saying that from adults too. We're like, I want the second cup of coffee. This is really nice. I yeah. really like this. And and particularly in a time where, you know, we have not been able to wrap our heads around a way to do communion safely. Um, uh, even back in the worship space. The, the mm -hmm. best we could yeah. come up with is we a gloved hand could pass out one of those little cups of uh, communion to go where you you pull the lid off and there's mm -hmm. another little yep. container of juice. Last rites in the hospitals, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and when we talked about that, everybody said, oh no, that's not communion. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. But we, we just said, okay, then we can't do communion unless it's online. That's, that's the only way we can do it right now. Because when I do online communion, I, 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 I learned through a colleague that, that he just tells everybody, bring something solid to break and something liquid to drink. And, 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 and so we take time in the midst of the service. Okay, get your solid thing. If you haven't, pause the video and go get it. And, and then get your liquid thing. And we just do it together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and at least people can take communion at home that way. Um, theologically, I'm sure Calvin's rolling in his grave, but that's okay. Calvin needs to roll in his grave over a few things. Uh, <laughs> roll, Calvin, roll. That um, <laughs> <laughs> might be a new hymn. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so this I'll is sing, I'll sing stage hymn. <laughs> roll, Calvin, roll. I'll, I'll start working. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I would love it. Um, so, so I'm thinking about, uh, length. Um, that was the last thing I had on my mm. list, which was yeah. a number of people commenting, wow, I really love the shorter service. And, and then other people pushing back and saying like, yeah, but I don't want to drive more than I'm at the church service, which I've personally experienced where I'm like, I'm not going to the 45 minute service if it takes me 20 minutes to get there. Like that's just, you know, that just doesn't feel... Well, I mean, even if you were going to go to coffee with someone, you're not going to drive a half hour to coffee and then meet with them for 20 minutes. You might. You might because of the relationship. Yes. And, and, I, and, I, and I think what I want to push here is, um, well, a couple of different things. One, I want to start on the relationships. I think that people would invest the time to, to come a longer distance and the service last if it's then tied to fellowship time. Uh, where where they yeah. can yeah, spend time in relationship. Now, one of the challenges of trying to open back up, and and there's still not much known about COVID and the the and treatment options, is that we can't allow that. We we can't um, you know to go have coffee and a donut in Fellowship Hall would just be the worst thing we could do. Break and so we usher people <laughs> straight out the door. That doesn't sound too exciting to me. But, but that said, I think a shorter length makes sense. 
Um, though the one piece I wouldn't want to lose is the music. Um, I, I was going to say, God forbid we lose the seven-minute organ postlude. I just... Well, well and the, it's, the world it's, wouldn't it's be the, the same. The postlude or the prelude, as good as yours are, Sarah. But, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to lose um, a beautiful choral anthem mm, uh, yeah. like, like your choir produces in the middle of a service because that is as much a, a part of the meaning of that service for me as um, the liturgy or, or, or um, the sermon. Um, you know, though, I, I think that there's ways to still do that and have a shorter service because you just have to say, like, as I am doing right now, like we're, we have a specific time link that we're aiming for within a few minutes. And so I know roughly how much time I have for music for the whole service. Mm -hmm. And then I know how much time roughly I want to spend for each type of thing. And then, you know, if the choir anthem is two minutes longer, because there are some long choir anthems. Well, then I know I need to pick a short hymn or I need to yeah. whatever. And, and so I'm, and I think this is how we should always be doing it. Looking at a whole service, looking holistically at the service and not piecemeal. I plug this in, I plug this in, I plug this in, I plug this in. I, I believe you're going to mention a book about that in a little bit, aren't you? Oh, yes. Actually, why don't I mention it right now? Okay. Um, that, that, I think this is the great read of the week opportunity. Oh, it's, it's super good. It's flow. The Ancient Way to Do Contemporary Worship by Lester Ruth. And inside, there's a lot written by Lester Ruth, but he also has a bunch of contributors. So it's not an edited collection. It's a, it's a whole, co it's a cohesive book, but with different authors of the pieces. And a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about right now of like thinking about how does the whole part of it work together and not this like hack job of, I slotted the things together and now I can check them off. Oh, I did this check. I did this check. Okay. Now we're at this point in the service. I did the next thing check. Right. Um, but rather thinking about it as a whole cloth type of thing. So it's, I'm glad you brought this book up because it's, it's reminding me um, I had read the passage in Justin Martyr before, but I'm, you know, freshly, just freshly read it. Um, this passage where Justin Martyr, you know, this is what the first century, I think this is the earliest description of a service that we have, a, a Christian worship service. And there are several elements to that service, some of, some of which are based around like, oh, there's scripture, and there's a preaching of some sort, and there's communion of some sort. Like the, these, there's some singing, I think. Um, but one thing that is really interesting and in that the uh, Lester and the other authors of this book bring out is that there's an open-endedness to time and extemporaneity, mm. oh, if I can say that, around time that we don't have to be so boxed in. And as I'm, as I'm thinking about like, here's all these things that we're talking about that mm, maybe we want to change in the future with our in-person worship. I had the word freedom written down so much about freedom, like, you know, freedom of movement, freedom of commentary, freedom to have food, freedom to wear more casual clothes, free, like these, that's an interesting, I'm, I'm actually just seeing that right now, like, huh, I wonder if there's something there that some of this is not about being casual, but about being more flexible, about being, I mean, some of it is a responsiveness to time. Um, and, and is more intentional a word that we could throw in here as well? 
and and, and so, I'm thinking yeah. I'm thinking back to last summer when you and I were still working at the same church, and and we we had a summer long push on how to integrate. Uh, educational faith formation pieces into worship. So what if we were thinking in terms of, okay, we're going to have a 40-minute service or a 35-minute service because we want to then integrate these these faith formation pieces into it Mm -hmm. that are building out of the service we've just done. You know, we were trying to put them in the midst of the service, but, but this, it seems like if we use the time more intentionally, um, there, there might be several different things that, that could be going on that were both, you know, faith building, um, faith for, forming, um, spirit, a, a fellowship, a social aspect of it. Um, and, and it might invite us to just rethink the, the worship traditions that we've inherited uh, and how we build a Sunday morning uh, experience. This is uh, making me scheme a little bit. I'm, I'm seeing the wheels turning, Sarah. Of preschool classrooms and elementary classrooms where they have zones. Yeah. And as, I mean, I am not an early childhood educator, but as I understand it, um, there are plenty of times when the whole classroom is together doing something together. They're doing the book together. They're having circle time together, which I found out means they're literally sitting on circles. I was like, I thought it was they were like in a circle <laughs> In my son's classroom, anyway, they're literally sitting on actual circles on the floor. Um, <laughs> we're circled up. Anyway, um, but but then they have all these zones, and they are uh, free. I mean, they're free to move about the country. They're free to go to these different zones and interact with the people there and go to another place. So there's the freedom of movement, um, a freedom to um, kind of ex- explore the options. But it's not a disconnected, it's not like I went to the museum and I explored the things by myself. Correct. You know, it's in the context of community. And, and what if you didn't have to shimmy out of a pew, um, but, but could, you know, get up out of your, your comfortable chair or couch or your round table and, and take your coffee mug and go by the coffee station on your way to uh, that prayer station or that small yeah. group. Uh, experience for five minutes or, or yeah. you know, I, mm-hmm. the pos- yeah, I'm liking these possibilities. Oh, of course, then the question is, is how do you do that in a way that doesn't make for that awkward cocktail party of, oh, am I allowed to go to that group? Will they talk to me? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, but I got to tell you, there's, I, I think that I've been to cocktail parties that I felt more, excited about than, than worship services sometimes. Oh, yeah, this is true. I, I mean, and it isn't just... And it wasn't just the cocktails. Cocktail, no, no. It, it's, 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 there's a sense of liveliness about mm, it. Yeah, and, and like actual engaging conversation and the correct. feeling that there's something worth, worthwhile going on. And, and, and it feels like our, our, our traditional approaches to worship, for me, often feel like we've lost that. Um, and, and I don't want to knock the the importance of repetition or, or the need for tradition that, that can be so meaningful to folks. But, but I feel like so often our, our repetitiveness and our tradition is, is bordering on death than, than anything that's life-giving. And, and that, that part of the rethinking for me would be how, how do we still provide those connecting pieces 
for people, realizing that we all have different levels of need there with, without them becoming something that, that just shuts down creativity or spontaneity mm -hmm. or, or, or even connectivity. Um, I think that we have to think about what do we really, what do we really believe? Like what's our actual theology? And then how does our space facilitate that or not? Um, and I'll link to a blog post infographic that I did a couple of years ago that was like, here's how Quaker theology, you know, impacted buildings. Here's how like medieval Catholics impacted buildings. It's really, I mean, for me as a kind of nerd, uh, really interesting stuff. Like here's how, here's the theology. Here's why the building looks the way it is. Here's why the pews are arranged. Here's why the pulpit is at the center or not. And I'm thinking right here, like if we're saying, uh, I think we're, that we're saying something that's a little theologically different about community by saying we don't want the pews. We want the movement. We want, we want a space that says you can move, that you can be in a different kind of, I don't know, a different way of worshiping that isn't the, I sat down and I stayed here for an hour. Well, and, and this may be too crass, but, but I could also say, hey, the Holy Spirit has moved us out of the pew uh, or is moving mm -hmm. us out of the pew. Um, yeah, I don't and, think that's crass. And, 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 you know, if, if the, this may just be completely mythic, but it's one of my favorites. Um, I have always heard that pews didn't exist in churches until the 14th century in Europe when, when bouts of spontaneous dancing were breaking out <gasps> among those in the worshiping congregation. And that so freaked out the priests leading the worship. The only thing they could think of to do was put in pews and force people to sit in an ordered structure. And if that's true, you know, maybe the spirit's still fighting against that structure and, and wants us back dancing or at the very uh -huh. least moving around and getting to the coffee station. Um, mm. Hey, yeah, listening to the Holy Spirit. God is still speaking. Always a scary thing in the church. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Do you have anything else you want to say or any reads? No, I'm, I'm, no I, I, I'm just, I'm excited about the, the thoughts around this and, and would love to be at a place where I could work with a group of people kind of reimagining all these things. Um, I, I, I'm serving a, a congregation right now where the membership is, is primarily older. And, and I think a lot of the, the traditional pieces are, are really important to them and and are and and are things that they're missing and and so um in in the context where i am now i think it might be more difficult to take a fast track with some of these kind of ideas and and yet i also it's there these ideas aren't impossible because it's some of these folks that are the ones saying I enjoy being able to hit the hit pause and go get a cup of coffee. I enjoy being able to watch the service in my shorts and t-shirt. Mm -hmm. um, that kind yeah. of stuff. Wow, I didn't need a tie. Yeah, yeah. Nobody needs a tie, ever for anything. Here we go. Period. No. <laughs> and that's it for this week's installment of Getting to Nimble. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. You can find the show notes at Sarah, with an H, S-A-R-A-H dash Bereza, B-E-R-E-Z-A dot com. 
And if you're enjoying the show, please share it with your ministry friends and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes, we would really appreciate that part. I am Bill Smoots. And I'm Sarah Bariza. Until next time, keep it nimble, but keep it legal.